Welcome to another episode of Based News Network. I am Punk Revolution Now, a.k.a. Kyle, here with Sophie, a.k.a. Joan of Arca, and we have a very special guest, Taylor Lorenz, probably the perfect guest to have on this week, given that Taylor is a... I would say at this point she's 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 a legend in in the world of uh, <laughs> in tech journal in journalism in general specialty in in technology the internet has an, a very epic book coming out soon in October October third I believe is that right Taylor Yes but it's available for pre order now so order it now yeah, everyone pre order it now Yes pre ordering Taylor I know you've been posting about it pre ordering is like the like most important thing for basically getting on those like bestseller lists. Is that right? Yeah. It's like the only thing that counts basically if you want your books to be on any kind of list, they like it's basically only count pre-orders. So if you think you might want to read it at all, just pre-order it. I promise it's going to be good. Yeah. We're definitely, we definitely have a lot of questions about the book. We're like both really excited about it. It's called Extremely Online, and it seems to cover a lot of topics that Sophie and I are both super interested in with like the history of like the internet and, and influencer, influencer culture, etc. Like lots the, of stuff the that creator economy. the creator economy, our very favorite word, word term. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Taylor... You just yeah we, we you just saw we just we saw that you just had a like a a pretty epic um, article come out for the Washington Post in um, I was like on the front page right about like Twitter versus TikTok and I guess Threads now coming in there too. Yeah, I had a front page story yesterday about basically Twitter's like disastrous decline and how Threads is getting a lot of attention and people are turning to kind of like TikTok for news and information. Basically, Twitter's just kind of fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sophie and I, we're both on threads. We'd both like downloaded it like ASAP. Taylor, we've seen you've been on it too, posting all the memes. I guess like we could just start just talking about like what are, what are our impressions of threads? Like Sophie, I know you've been on it. Taylor, like what what do you think so far, Taylor? Just like... Are you enjoying it? Do you think it's got like potential or I don't know, where do you, what do you, how are you feeling about it? I think it's fun. Um, I mean, I love like any new app to post on. There's a lot of brands and celebrities there, but we'll see if they stick around. Um, I mean, Twitter's just such a cesspool now and it's so hard to find good content that I'm down for any new app, but I don't know. I, I hope it, I hope we can be a little bit more free like speak a little more freely on there than we can on Instagram. Yeah. That's like kind of the, one of the main concerns I think a lot of people have is uh, the content moderation policies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like at least the meme meme community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, I, I completely agree. Like you go on Twitter right now, you go on like the for you page or whatever it's called. And then it's just like, okay, these are like a bunch of like, right-wing extremists i have no interest in interest in and they're all fighting and like being horrible people not a great vibe on twitter and then you go on threads and then the for you page is like you said like a bunch of like corporate stuff you know corporations trying to do their branding and stuff and like i do think so far that is actually an improvement like literally yeah. watching like lame brands like try to be funny is absolutely an improvement at oh. least that's like almost entertaining because of how cringe it is 
where like maybe a, I mean it's still depressing but maybe like slightly less so yeah than, like right wingers being like really transphobic or like yeah posting like weird covid conspiracy theories yeah it's definitely an improvement i've just seen already some journalists are getting like community guidelines violations for debunking misinformation so I think, like, mm. cause just because they're, like, mentioning the misinformation in their debunking. so The word, like, misinformation specifically, like, triggers? No, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, like, if you try and debunk a conspiracy theory. I mean, I've had this happen to me on Instagram stories before. Like, Instagram, like, their algorithms can't always tell between someone debunking. And YouTube had this problem, too. Like, debunking misinformation and spreading misinformation. Mm. So... There's some kinks to work out, but it's definitely better than Twitter. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like you gotta tell your story. Oh no! I there's so, we all everybody at this point has a million stories about Instagram. But you gotta tell her this one. She'll all like right. It. Okay. I'll tell you. All right. I'll tell you this story. So, uh, so complex. You know that like magazine that has like 10 million followers on Instagram shared a shared a post about the Chaco Taco being discontinued, and I shared that post to my story. And I got demonetized for three months. What? For sharing fake news. It's literally like a post posted by Complex that he shared to his story. Yeah, that was like, I think it's actually not even fake news. I think they actually did discontinue the Chaco Taco. And I, just because I, he put it on his story. Yeah, it's, it's not like I screenshotted it and posted my story. It was literally just sharing someone else's post to my story. Well, from Complex. Like from Complex. The actual Complex, co- complex account. Yeah. The verified yeah. account. But, you know, it's, it's serious. It's true, though, because... You know, like 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 Sophie said, like is the word misinformation itself a trigger for Instagram to like you know reduce you in the algorithm? Like nobody knows. It's a complete gamble. If you if there's a like legitimate story about like I don't know hypothetically a politician hires an intern who's like a neo Nazi or something like that, you know, like you want to report on that because that's like a pretty crazy story, and like. I could see a lot of journalists like on Instagram for sure and on, probably on threads too. Like, are they like going to be able to safely report on that? Or is like threads in the background, they're going to see the word Nazi and then they're going to like, you know, reduce that person's presence in the algorithm for like six months without them knowing. It's, it's really, it's really stressful when you have no clue how the, how it works. And it's just like extremely um, aggressive. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think these are all things that they need to work out and, if they want it to be like an actual destination for people, they need to be able to like handle those nuances. How do um, social media platforms recognize these like nuances? If is it possible, or is it like I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but how 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 difficult is it is that to do? Is that more like? Uh, like a deliberate strategy from Meta, or is it more of a like a, a a a problem with like the process of content moderation like being difficult because you know people are posting and posting all day. It, it gets to be a lot, I'm sure. So I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean, there's too many posts to do it manually. Like at some point, you do need some algorithms and AI to handle just the amount of posts because there's so many billions of posts like there's no way to manually review all of it and also humans are also subject to bias and mistakes and stuff so they just need to build a more sophisticated algorithm that takes into this 
like takes into nuance into account. And I think they just need a better appeals system too, so that when stuff does does get appealed, like the, you know, there's somebody to like talk to about that, especially if you have a big audience or you're a journalist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know for sure, like with Twitter, you know, one of the things that like was a selling point for Twitter and why I love using Twitter and, you know, we'll see what happens now, but it's just that there are so many, you know, journalists on Twitter, you know, inform, you know, informative people on Twitter speaking their mind. And, you know, like Twitter has always had a, a, a more, I guess you could say, relaxed content moderation system than Instagram. And obviously Elon Musk like came on and wanted to do it more so, I guess, who knows, you know, it's really or less so. I mean, with Elon, he's just banning people arbitrarily and you can get banned. I mean, he's he's sort of notoriously anti-free speech and he'll allow his like right-wing wackos to like say whatever they want. But then like, I mean, he just, he's banned so many journalists and activists and like anybody that challenges him. I mean, I got banned in December. Yeah, I remember he banned you, right? For calling, for reporting that he lied. And also, th- this was like, was this like two weeks ago? Like, there's just, I feel like there's nonstop chaos from Elon. Like, how the like the term cis is now yeah. considered a slur, and if you call someone cisgender, oh my that's God. a slur. You could get banned. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's 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 mind-bogglingly hypocritical. It's yeah, no, I completely agree. It feels like the content moderation has gotten more strict. It doesn't. It's really hard to say exactly like what specific changes have like been implemented to Twitter's algorithm with Elon taking over. It just kind of feels like um Elon is just like has become more of like a bit of like a dictator. It's like the, the it's like really hard to say like systematically what's different. Just it's just the vibe on Twitter feels weird. So but anyways, back to like the threads. Like I am curious like if Met, I don't know exactly what Meta has like as their vision for threads, but if they like really want it to be like knocking Twitter out of the bubble that like Twitter currently owns right now, like it, it like needs to have like journalists and informative people the same way Twitter does. Um, at least from my perspective, but just... it doesn't have that yet, right? It doesn't even it doesn't have like trending pages, right, or like searching or like news tabs, right? Not yet, no. And we'll see if they roll that stuff out or not. Because I think that's really that's like wh- one of the main reasons I use Twitter, because I. I mean, I do get my news on Twitter, like a lot of people do. I don't think there's shame in that, obviously. But um, yeah. Also, like live tweeting, I don't do that. But like, I know that's like a big use of Twitter. Oh my god, I sound like a noob. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not a Twitter girl. <laughs> like, no, I'm people, a casual I, Twitter user. <laughs> like live tweeting sports is a really big thing. Um, like during NBA games and stuff, like. Twitter, I mean, Twitter is huge. So I think like, I mean, it's really like day four of threads. So who knows that like, if they add a lot more of these features in, I think it could be good. I think they're just onboarding people right now. And then we'll see. I'm like, I hate to root for Zuck because I mean, ugh. but I just hope that like, there's somewhere I hope like one of these alternatives pops off and like becomes a new space, whether it's blue sky or Twitter. Can you talk about Blue Sky for, like, people who don't know what that is? Just, like, yeah. briefly. Well, unfortunately, Blue Sky is also owned by, like, Jack Dorsey founded Blue Sky. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, like, all the same players all the time. But um, but it's, like, um, it's based on sort of, like, 
this blockchain type protocol. It's kind of similar to Mastodon in the sense of like it's distributed and in, in ways so that it's not like there is a company like you can appeal to blue sky there are people that work there and stuff but it's a little bit it's a it's sort of like a different back-end system um it's great i mean it's just really small and they're scaling really slowly and so you need invite codes but it's similar to twitter as well and it's similar to threads where there's like a feed but on blue sky there's a little bit more functionality um it's a little bit closer to twitter like you can search for posts, you can, you know, find users. Like it's just, it's a little bit more developed. They have trending tabs, they have different algorithms. Gotcha. So yeah, my impression right now is with the launch of threads, like when it's happening, like with the Elon fiasco stuff going on, it seems like a pretty explicit move by Meta um, to basically like, I don't know how else to put this, but like conquer this this like space that Twitter currently holds right now of like like text dominated short you know blogging I guess you could micro blogging whatever you want to call it. Do you, is that kind of what you see, how you see it too? Like I mean I know it's like like you said it's only been you know on for like four or five days. There's lots of different directions they could take it, but do you basically th- like think that what Meta is going to try to do is basically just make this like more or less the new Twitter or do you think they're going to try to do something like more innovative that we haven't seen yet and just kind of like let Twitter kind of hold its space and do its own thing? I think they're doing essentially what they've done to a lot of other platforms before, which is like try and copy enough of their features that they can cleave off a meaningful part of their user base, but not necessarily replicate the whole product. Like for instance, Instagram stories is a really good example of this. Like, you know, they, they like took that format from Snapchat and sort of in that case, they like integrated it into Instagram. In this case, it's a separate app, but like, you know, is it exactly the same? No, it doesn't have all the same functionality, but it's in, it took enough of the user base from Snapchat that it like permanently sort of put Snapchat in like a a worse position. Like Snapchat's not going to recover or ever have the scale that it could have had if Instagram never launched stories. Um, and so I think it's kind of similar with, with threads. I don't think it's going to be a one-for-one clone. I think there's a lot of things about Twitter that Meta does not want to deal with. I mean, Meta has famously had a really fraught relationship with news and news publishers and politics stuff. That's why you saw Adam Masari on literally the second day of Thread's existence being like, oh, we don't want hard news on here, which is like ridiculous because there's no such, like what's hard news? Like conservatives have politicized like everything in this country. And they're like, and also as Kat Tenbarge, who's a really good journalist was saying too, she covers a oh, lot yeah, of like- Oh yeah, I know her. Yeah, she's awesome. And she was like, entertainment news is hard news. Like the Johnny Depp trial, and like Amber Heard stuff, yeah. like this is hard news. And like, it's a mistake to think that like, entertainment and like sports and all this stuff is like separate um and totally so I think it's a losing battle with that but I I don't think they're gonna like clone Twitter one for one yeah I mean that that's a bummer honestly because I would love for I want because I love Twitter (laughs) you know I want I want it to be basically a Twitter clone Twitter dies I don't have to keep using my thumb to hop between threads when I want to be funny and Twitter when I want to be like political or whatever or talk about the news 
who knows what's going to happen, but I would love, like, like I think probably all three of us are on the same page, like, meta, like, come on, like Taylor said, like, the right, like, we can't even talk about Bud Light anymore without that being considered news now, like, you know, like, we got, I, I want to be able to, like, you, you know, do well, that. Yeah, for example, like, we've noticed with this podcast, we have... It's, there's news in the name of the podcast, right? Um, so if we type out the name in the, like, caption, we've noticed that, like, it does way worse than if we don't on Instagram. Wow. Yeah. It's really crazy. Just I mean, the I, word news. They hate news. It's crazy. Yeah. The word news. Maybe also the word based is could be, like, somewhat right of, wing, like, a right-wing We don't term. mean a right-wing You know what I mean? We, we don't gotta, know. We gotta, like, censor the, like... E in news with like a three or something. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a like like banned word. Like I'll go speak. We need an I'll go speak for for the word news. <laughs> yeah, just rename it like yeah, like fun fun advertiser brand chat. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Mc, McDonald's chat. <laughs> Mc, McDonald's chat network. Um. I guess I was kind of curious, like, so I know we've obviously, like, a big part of all this in the background, and we've already kind of referenced it, is, like, Elon Musk buying Twitter, and it's been just, you know, a nightmare. It's not a fun app anymore. Elon Musk is basically, like, a micro-fascist who's, like, banning whoever he wants. Do you do you see, like, is, are you able to understand, like, why Elon Musk is making the choices he's making? Like... Is there some like business rationale that we're missing or is he just like an impulsive ideological guy who just sucks? Like, cause we really don't know, honestly. I think he's had like a really wild political evolution over the past few years. I feel like COVID just broke his brain. Like he's always yeah. been awful. Like just to be the clear. The Azalea Banks situation like changed him forever. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was a canon event. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. She, he like, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, remember when he um, said he was going to rescue those boys in the cave Yes, I do. Like, I do. He's always had this like hubris and, and then and then the guy mm, like savior the, kind of Yeah, comp- he wants to control complex, the world. Like wants to be a hero. Yeah. And remember he was calling the guy a pedophile when the the guy the actual expert who saved the children was like you don't know what you're talking about and he like he called him a pedophile because he had like I an don't Asian remember wife. That part of it. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Yeah, he had like an Asian wife, and so he started calling him a pedophile, which is so bizarre because like, he's oh his wife was like his age, but he like he was like, he said all this crazy shit. Like he's been on this stuff for a while. He's always been super anti-union. He hates the media because the media calls him on his bullshit, and he's clearly, you know, an egomaniac in a lot of ways. Um, so I don't know. I think I think people are finally sort of like seeing him for who he is. And like billionaires are billionaires because they've exploited people, you know, and like these people are not heroes in our society. And I think we're finally sort of seeing that. It's just most billionaires are reclusive and they're not on social media. Right, right. Yeah, so- it seems like Zuck is like trying really hard right now on yeah. threads to like reclaim his like... Uh, 
you know, his reputation. Yeah, everybody is. Yeah, it's like we had that social, the social network movie came out. Everyone like, and then also just like a bunch of bad shit that happened on like Facebook over the past 10 years. Right. Everyone hated, everyone hated Mark Zuckerberg. And now I see, I feel like Mark Zuckerberg is like, oh my God, here's my chance. There's another, there's another <laughs> yeah. billionaire every right now everyone's mad at. Like time to like do really softball right. lame <laughs> thread posts of like my family to make people like me again. <laughs> yeah, oh God, exactly. Yeah. I know. He's like it's... the vanilla version of Elon. He's the, like just... advertiser friendly, like vanilla version. But Mark is not, I will say, I mean, not to defend Mark, but like he's just not... Mm-hmm that type of a person I mean like he's just not like he's like married to his wife and like he's kind of a a nerd and like he's he seems very like nerdy and normie yeah and he's done like fucked up stuff and like Facebook's not perfect in any way it's so fucked up but like he doesn't have that same like god complex that Elon seems to have Mm -hmm. I will say I really like the Oculus Quest. Sophie and I like pl- Sophie. <laughs> Sophie and I like to uh, play some mini golf in that thing. So. Oh yeah, I yeah the metaverse. The metaverse. Wait, is what epic. do you think? Well, how do you feel, how do you feel about the metaverse, Taylor? I've never asked you this before. I don't think. I think it's like the most made up shit I've ever heard. Like it's just VR. I'm like okay, so, and I think it's really yeah. funny that like, his like main use case for it was like meetings, like. Remember? I know that's the like weirdest thing ever. It's like what what. <laughs> Uh, yeah no i remember that was like what really threw me off because i could i could get behind the vr thing like i okay i can see how that would be cool or fun and then once you bring it to like like you see like these like horribly like 3d animated like avatar avatars and like a like sim like worse than sims like ass like office room and it's like what is what what yeah <laughs> it's so funny and i i don't know i feel like that I, I'm not an expert. I don't know anything, but I feel like that will never, never take off. Yeah, I don't think so. But do you do you like VR? Like, have you done it? And like, guys, I'm sure. I, okay, first of all, I got so VR pilled in like 2017. The original, like, Slay. there's been all these like hype cycles. So I went to Facebook F8, which is a Facebook developer conference in 2017. We got like free VR headsets. I got so obsessed <gasps> with VR. I taught myself Unity to try and build VR experiences. And then I started a page. I, I had a 360 camera and I oh tried to be the first um, 360 camera vlogger. So I <gasps> taught myself 360 video editing oh and I had a page called Taylor 360 where I would share <laughs> my vlogs <laughs> like no one watched. Oh and my God. So wait, wait, you have so many secret like lives like or like... <laughs> like you really do like it's true like like or at least accounts like you probably I feel like you probably have like 500 different accounts I definitely had a lot over the years no yeah like we all know Taylor Lorenz three and then we also her lesser known account is like what is it the TikTok account where you post TikToks oh grade A TikToks yeah I was grade A TikToks I was doing that in 2019 before like people were really using TikTok very much um, I was there. Just <laughs> I was there. I've I was there when it was Musically. Same. Musically was funny. I actually used to use. Uh, do you know? You know Flip. I, I I can't believe I'm asking if you know what Flipagram is. Of course. So you know Flipagram. Um, I used to use Flipagram like TikTok, but that's really? just because like my friends and I did it. Like it was like an inside thing we used to do. Um, 
and then we just start, I think something happened with Flipogram, so then we moved on to Musically and used Musically like well we we used Musically as it was intended, but like it was definitely like we were like quote quote unquote like self aware like we knew it was dumb, but I do remember the day it changed to TikTok and like everyone's like oh my god oh my god what happened like this is yeah. so, no one's gonna ever use this shit i remember saying that i'm like no one's gonna ever use this shit and <laughs> here we are you know so. what um there so all of this is in my book but my book goes oh. heavy into musically and do and you know who's um i talk to a lot and she's in my book is a baby ariel oh my god i think we talked about this like on the phone one time baby ariel is do you you know ba- kyle probably doesn't do you know who baby ariel is? I, I have to see what the, i gotta see one of their, their things she's i feel like, like this i feel like this is like there's like a certain type of person who would know who that is you know like yeah like she- a certain like unless you're like a tech journalist maybe but um she's like a og musically star okay. pre-tiktok star like i f- i feel like she was like kind of in the same like realm as like lauren gray that's yeah. her name right so ab so like yeah. she pioneered moving your hand with like yeah. that format so, like, i'm doing it for him right now where it's like Oh, okay, okay. Like the classic TikTok, like kind of swag dance. Like, do you know that one? That one video. It's like I say I love you, da da da. Oh, you yeah. can twerk now. Yeah, yeah. Split you racking up them. That video is so okay. good. That's her. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So she's like kind of a legend, and I f- like she definitely kind of like invented the like TikTok dance or like proto TikTok dance. I feel. Yeah, she invented that like specific type of filming that was really popular mm-hmm. on the app um and then yeah i remember the weekend it switched over to in 2018 um and all yeah all yeah. of this is in my book read my book prior to my book. oh my god i'm so excited for this book <laughs> like everything i've heard about it is just like super exciting just from you like it seems like everything i'd ever want to like read about <laughs> like <laughs> like Honestly, like Sophie's been telling me her whole life she wants to be like a meme slash internet historian. So I feel yeah. like this is quite relevant to. Uh, well, I like I said, I love that you're documenting Baby Ariel because, like, I feel like some. I mean, I know you've talked about like, er, like when I've talked to you about like being a journalist, about like a tech journalist, and like how you got into journalism. Like, there is like a lot of, uh, or there was like a an understanding of the internet like by like older media that it was like kind of like the lowest form of culture is that right like yeah like writing for the internet that. was like yeah that's what I was gonna say like I feel like that's still kind of around yeah um at least when it comes for me like t- to me documenting baby Ariel is like really important journalism in history and, and stuff, but to me yeah <laughs> but maybe not to most people no but to me too but like it's so important people and, don't like, get it people don't get no, it no it's true you just gotta imagine that you're a historian 300 years in the future and you want to understand 2022 2023 like you need to understand the evolution of the internet so it is like critical well yeah and i also feel like um there's like an argument that like that on the internet like everything is there forever and it's gonna help like historians in the future which i can understand 
But also, I feel like everything gets so like lost because of the sheer volume of stuff being produced, right, and deleted. Um, so that like I think this kind of documentation is important because it can be diff like like if you, like for example like trying to like tr trace the origin of the like Jeff the Killer you know what I'm talking about the Jeff the Killer image yeah from like creepy pasta like it's like there's like a, like debates about that like like <laughs> it comes from 4chan but like there there's like several like different like origin stories that are like have yet to been been proved as far as i know well well yeah the problem in tech the tech world is like it's not even just that it's not being written about it's being it's, it's that it's completely overrun by corporate narratives like i mm. wanted to write this book because there's no history of social media that's been written so far that is not basically just corporate stories that glorify these founders like there's and i love these books mm. i read these books but it's like you know like the history of youtube book the history of instagram book and which are amazing books and they're great from sort of like an individual standpoint on these companies but they tell a corporate right. narrative they're not telling the side of like the users and the culture and like how the ecosystem or and whatever. and on social products like as you can read in my book because i read a lot about like the rise of vine and blogging and stuff like it's really users that shape the product as much as the tech executives themselves mm -hmm, so like mm -hmm. to leave off that whole side of the story and just like rely on these corporate narratives to like tell the story of this point in time is is such a miss in my opinion so that's what my book this is, is from like, this book is it's gonna be the holy grail book like <laughs> no <laughs> I hope like so. open the schools y'all we need <laughs> we need to <laughs> just kidding um so I'm super excited for this book because it's it's due to, to me this is very important very 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 important historical work <laughs> thank you thank you i'm excited well i'm definitely interested to hear more about like what you were saying about you know a lot of the kind of narratives out there about the history of like how the internet has kind of gradually developed over time is it is very like sounds very like kind of maybe business oriented, focused, like you said, on the founders and their innovations, blah, 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 rather than like the people's story, you know, of like, yeah. this is the most like leftist book I've ever heard. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the people's, the people's history. Yeah. No, but that's, yeah. it's so funny. That's what Simon and Schuster wanted to put in the description oh, wow. of my book, that it was like a people's history of the internet. Okay, Simon and Schuster hire us. <laughs> We're just kidding. <laughs> Um, but it is play. like that. I mean, I cover tech from the user side and I just think like what makes the internet so special is kind of like the ability for Definitely. it to give people a voice and kind of communicate. And there's obviously so much downsides and I talk about a lot of that too, but this is making me wonder like what this book doesn't cover. Cause it well, there was like a lot, so much to fit in. Oh my God. Well, so first of all, You're I wrote, right. you told me about that. Like you cut out a lot. I had to cut it more than in half. I wrote 158,000 words and it had to be oh between God. 60 and 80. Um, so it, I had to cut a lot, but I got the highlights in. So nice. I feel like when we were on the phone that one time when I was like asking about this, like you told me, like, I, I think I brought up something that I thought was like, I can't remember what it was. And you like said you wrote about it, but then you had to cut it. And yeah. I'm like, really, I can't remember what it was. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things that like, there's a line or two in there, but it's not like, mm. I, I wish that I could go. Like, there's just so much. Um, I felt like when I was writing the book, like, oh my God, I have to get everything down. Cause if I don't get it in this book, like 
people will forget about it and people won't know. And um, my my editor was like, okay, but like no one's going to read it if, if you make it too long. So I tried to keep to like just like these like main events or like people or like sort of moments in time that really like define the internet, like the adpocalypse on YouTube in 2017. Mm. Like that mm. was such a pivotal time or like the... Do you get wait, into Gamergate? Wait, could you remind wait. me? Yeah, yeah. Gamergate, absolutely. We, I want to talk about too. Yeah. But I, I just quickly, before I forget, could you please remind me what the adpocalypse was on YouTube? I honestly forget. Oh my God. Like ads got really big. Like every video had an ad. Well, no, actually it was the opposite. Oh, it was when ads got... Po- oh my God, guys, this is such like... This was such we a... Open the schools, y'all. <laughs> yes. <just> <laughs> um, so in 2017 there was a bunch of outrage um, over content on YouTube. Basically, like, um, you know, 2017 was this, like, crazy year. Trump had just taken office. Um, The advertisers started to freak out that their ads were next to extremist content on YouTube because YouTube had allowed right-wing news channel, like, right-wing influencers to just, like, skyrocket throughout, like, 2014, 2015, 2016. And so, like, 2017 was this reckoning. Um, It was also the year that the Wall Street Journal ran the PewDiePie story about him... And it was the year that Logan Paul filmed a dead body. So, like, all of a sudden, advertisers were like, fuck, there's a lot of bad content on YouTube. We are going to pull our advertising. And it was this, like, reckoning. And it it put, I mean, it disrupted the whole ecosystem and caused a lot of chaos in the content creator world. It basically showed content creators that, like, you can't rely on these platforms. Um, It was also the year that Vine formally shut down. So... 2017 was like a crazy year on the internet. Yeah, 20 yeah, I I definitely have some some memories, memories. of the <laughs> memories of being on the computer back in 2017 and things were happening. True, uh, things were happening. But no, this is this is no, seriously, this is this is a good example though of like why this book is like, you know, I'm excited to read it cuz like I lived through this, like you right. saying it is but, like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what happened, and it is a very Makes chronological a, thing, I you know. Th- that's a, like, and also like the way. Th- did you come up with that? Is that like the adpocalypse? Is is that like a phrase you coined, or is that like? No, no, no. It was a phrase a that. Phrase. Y- it was what YouTubers. Um, if you Google it, you'll see oh, so much about it. But it was YouTubers okay. came up yes, with it because I definitely remember remember this moment, and I do remember like content, like like the idea about like like YouTube kind of going up in the air with like advertising. I remember this, but um, 2017 was also when the FTC cracked down on disclosures. And so mm, remember like oh, all of a right. sudden, and like, that's about to, Oh yeah. Sorry. Go on. They started like, you know, going after influencers who weren't disclosing content and you, they had this pivotal ruling that like you had to disclose ad. And I get into this in my book, but like, it's really crazy because it had the complete opposite effect of what they intended to do. Um, and they're mm. still like, they still don't have a handle on, on like what was, what happened. What was their like intention versus what actually happened? Yeah. So the FTC wanted, when they, when they forced influencers to, to disclose pre, pre 2017 influencers were not disclosing at all. Like truly never, like you would never like, it was so rare to see hashtag ad like that people avoided that at yeah. all cost. Um, so they've made this rule that you had to disclose. And if you didn't disclose, you could be faced like the brand could be faced huge fines. So the brands made the influencers start disclosing. And what people thought is once people saw that things were ads, 
they wouldn't want to buy it anymore. And there would be this like, it would be the downfall of influencers. So you saw all these news articles, especially the mainstream media, like the mainstream media was like gleeful. And like they ran all these articles, like the end of influencers. What happened is that people actually came to love the ads and they started celebrating influencers getting ad deals. So it was like, oh my God, queen, like you got the Gucci brand deal. And then you also saw- Get Yeah. And like it, it got to this point where now sponsored content is like, a sign of success whereas right and oh my goodness so i remember when you had an art oh i'm so sorry i don't want to interrupt i just remembered like we i think for for a class i remember reading your article about like fake sponsored content yes that's exactly something that came out of this as well yeah like influencers pretending they're sponsored to project this image of success so that they actually get um brand deals in the future and that's a huge, like, that's a huge thing now. Like, that's a, something that, like, big brands have struggled with and luxury brands have had a really hard time with of, like, people buying luxury goods and then unboxing them as if they have a partnership. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's like, it's just, it sort of shows so how, bizarre. <laughs> like, these things never work out, but um, the way that people imagine. And I think a lot of people, like, will read my book and be like, oh, yeah, like, oh, I kind of remember that happening, but you don't understand that like certain moments were so pivotal and they really set the stage for like the culture that we live in now. And I think it's easy to like experience the internet and see these moments go by, but not understand their significance. I love hearing this. Cause like I've lived through all this and like, you're so right. Like I witnessed it, like I saw it, but like I never processed it at all as something shaping the internet. And like, even though it was, and then also like, the dramatic level that like the internet being shaped is actually like a like a gigantic thing because i spent all my life on the freaking internet so it's like actually shaping like our culture dramatically yeah and a lot of my book i mean i would say like about half my book is like from 2011 from 2000 to 2011 so it's like also like there's a bunch in there about like the first ever content house in 2009, which like people oh like like like, like a like a hype house like a proto hype house yeah exactly no it was I mean it was a collab channel called the station and they had a content house and it's just like all these things oh. that people associate with like Gen Z culture actually started mm. like they actually started like a decade before and the reason that people associate it with gen z culture is because like mm-hmm. gen z is the first generation to be like raised in influencer culture but all of that stuff like the mommy bloggers like mm-hmm. in the 2000s mm-hmm. like mommy bloggers were the first people on the internet to like commodify their personal right. brands online right i have i've read about that that is oh sorry i'm getting so excited to read this book like pre-order pre-order this like, i <laughs> this is like the if like a lab made a book that I'd be interested in or something. Wait, okay, I I've got to be honest. Like, I don't have much exposure to mommy bloggers. Like, what? Oh, yeah. Kaya. <laughs> well, oh my I, God. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm kidding. I'm, I, of course you don't. I was Classic I was too busy on the dick. Privilege. Classic <laughs> men made of stone. Okay, anything. No, okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> mommy bro- bloggers are super influential, and I don't want to speak over. To her. She wrote about this in her book, but uh, like. I also know it's like a, it's a big thing in the UK, right? Yeah. And like, I've, I like, I've heard that that like has spawned a lot of like turf stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately. In the UK, like these mommy blogs, like, or like forums. 
like oh i can't goodness. i can't remember like how or like why yeah. that happened but i've heard that in passing um th- yeah so okay, so yeah wait, i don't just, know well just going back so this was just like early internet like moms blogging about being a mom and then like no they would like gain a following is that kind of what it was sort of yes exactly so um Right. So in the blogging, so early blogging days, there the first blogs were like political blogs and tech blogs, like tech blogs especially. And like it was it was a lot of men um writing about sort of like serious stuff and and then like sort of average people that just were writing about like hobby, like their sort of pet interests. Um but you have to understand like women's media in the 90s especially it was so regressive i mean this is the problem with traditional mm-hmm. media but it was like it was so regressive like it was so taboo to talk about breastfeeding you could not talk like mm-hmm. it was so sanitized you couldn't there was no it's so why i went back for researching my book and read a lot of women's media from the 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. and it was just like almost like 1950s like there was no there was no understanding you could not talk about motherhood being hard it was like motherhood is a gift and you celebrate your child who's so special and so when when moms started to get on the internet and write about their experience there's these really influential women Heather Armstrong who's in my book who unfortunately just passed away is one of them but right. like is her tiff t- t- what is her name like her what's what was her blog name again oh um it was deuce Deuce, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, wrong person. Deuce. So she recently, I saw that she, co- um, yeah, she unfortunately committed suicide. She, I mean, she had a lot of problems. So, another reason, like, um, well, start just by finishing explaining what it was. So, these women got on the internet and they were the first people to like b- basically go against mainstream media and be like, motherhood fucking sucks. And I actually sometimes I hate my own children and like, I, mm-hmm. I, and also they talked a lot about substance abuse as a coping mechanism this is why like we have postpartum depression and stuff yes like that. and, and that's why we have the trope now of wine moms it was from these mm, mothers talking about like the depression and the I didn't struggles know that i did i didn't know about the wine mom thing yeah it's from that it's from these women i thought that, that was just like a marketing thing that like grocery stores did for like well i always no. like have the impression that like moms like cope cope with motherhood by like drinking <laughs> but well, I I never really like guess I guess because I'm so young I just thought that was like kind of a cultural certainly like, they staple and culture and like I don't know I don't know Kyle's laughing well they've always they've always served like they've always I mean marketing like sort of narcotics and and um alcohol to mothers is is not new but that that is meme like that like i mean people were selling putting moms on like prescription drugs and stuff but like that meme of like the wine during Mm -hmm. playtime and stuff a lot of that is was that meme came out of these mothers that were actually writing about that in their mommy blogs and so it became everyone says 4chan is the no but no it's the mommy blogs. well there's it's reading the real memes yeah (laughs) well just women i mean a common theme through my book and you'll read about this is like so much i mean there's been so much like rewritten history of like tech bros inventing the internet and it was so much of like of the internet was built on women expressing themselves and kind of like yeah going around because women oh women God, have been shut you. like the whole influencer industry is built out of 
from women that were shut out of the traditional labor market as well, because these moms were monetizing their blogs. They, a lot of them couldn't go back to work. They were stuck at home. Mm. They didn't have economic opportunities. And suddenly they had these huge audiences that they started to monetize. And the, I wrote about it in my book, but like the first blog that monetized significantly was Heather Armstrong's. And you guys like mm-hmm. the vitriol that these women endured was insane. Like insane. Oh my God, yeah. And you had like the New York Times like going after them. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm really glad that you you talk about the role of women in the internet because like, I don't know. I mean, just as a woman on the internet, that is appealing to me. And um, I guess like, and there's, I'm sure there's some truth to it, truth to this, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like I see 4chan is like the originator of like a lot of, of memes, like yeah. meme culture. Forums. But like the, 4chan is super like, as we know, like male dominated. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like that doesn't tell the whole story. I was just going to say people overlooking, um. All the epic, uh, the, all the epic memes that women were creating on Tumblr. Exactly. Yeah, fortune. But, but it goes even earlier, I'm sure. Fortune has had a place. Like I think if you read Andrew Morantz's book, I think it's called Antisocial. Like that, mm. it's very good about like sort of the rise of those forums and communities. Which I cut all of that out of my book. Like fortune is barely mentioned in my book because they oh, ultimately because fortune did not play a role at all in internet in in um, influencer culture aside from kind of like mm. in the aughts like they're mentioned in like they made early youtube videos pop off and like they shaped internet culture in a certain way but like ultimately they were kind of like they're like sort of like the dregs of the internet and and what built influencer culture was a lot of like bloggers like content creators basically right Um, and like these mommy bloggers would you like call them like proto influencers or like early influencers they were influencers i mean they were influencers through and through they built the 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 ways that influencer influencers monetize now those women pioneered they were the first so interesting to do it because I feel like also like people when they think about like moms on the internet they think of like moms as like noobs that don't know anything about internet culture when in fact they played an early role and a really important one. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's 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 just like classic misogyny. I think a lot of that, but like True. those Gen X women were really influential. They mothered. They literally mothered. <laughs> they literally they mothered. mothered. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of them you make a meme of that. I should, I, think, I should. Once the book comes out, I'll make some memes about them mothering. <laughs> <laughs> but oh I think God, the sorry. reason a lot of them ended up as turfs is because they dealt with, like, I mean, you read about this in my book, but, like, the levels of misogyny mm. that they have dealt with is so incomprehensible. And they were put into this world where, like, nowadays there's, like, people that will defend them. But back then you have to remember that, like, average people were not posting online publicly. And so these women were just getting, like, savaged left and right, especially by the mainstream media, Mm. and they had no one to defend them. And I think they have such a bitter taste in their mouth that a lot of them can't understand the struggles of LGBTQ people because they have dealt with such just, like, insane levels of misogyny Mm. that, like, they can't understand, like other people's oppression almost that makes sense yeah and also like mother though like them like mother maybe being used as like a pejorative or like their their type of motherhood being uh 
attacked so viciously or like they're that they like can't understand like or they they can't empathize with transgender women who in their like belief don't go through like the same like kind of misogyny that they endure just by being born female with and like you know yeah all that comes with being like born that way so like and like also like I don't know Kaya and I were just talking about this like the term birthing person I know that like is like a talking like point or like or like a thing that comes up a lot in like turf spaces but also like right-wing spaces um but it's like my understanding that people don't really use that word that's like it feels like a psyop yeah, like, I don't think definitely. I've ever heard anyone like actually use that in real life. The only time that st- that that term is used is like highly clinical settings where you're not even writing like, right. you know, like you're writing down maybe like medical notes or something and you need to refer to a person in a specific way. No one in casual terms right is using it and it is and it, but it's like the classic like take something and blow it up. It's like neo pronouns like. It's like I was yeah I said that too like no like you almost rarely encounter anyone with ne- who uses neo pronouns um yeah but but people are outraged are like yeah outraged about it so I guess one thing I'm curious about just listening to to you talk about mommy bloggers and I know you briefly mentioned GamerGate as well would oh, you s- wait, did, I think I said or, Gamergate. Yeah. I was curious, is Gamergate in your book? Yeah, it is, but it's 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 sort of only briefly in my book because I think there's been so many books written specifically about Gamergate and harassment. I think you could write so much like just through the lens of Gamergate, but I think to underst- to, to understand Gamergate, you first have to understand sort of the concept of online influence and like this whole world. And so I wanted to write more of a book that was like a 101 like here's interest how influencer culture emerged and like then by understanding that you can better understand gamergate but gamergate i didn't get into it that's another thing that like got cut like i i mean i could have a whole chapter on it but i ultimately didn't because i and same thing with a lot of these right-wing influencers it's like i sort of in my stories i like to explain things through like a cultural like a pop culture kind of lens and then like Mm -hmm. you have to understand that like there's this bizarro kind of alter ego version of this whole industry that's that's just the right wing version like the right wing influencer Mm. so candace owens like yeah like milo yiannopoulos like all these people they were birthed out of gamergate but like they follow the same tactics and paths as the traditional influencers just on the right inversely but you have to really understand like first you have to understand what sponsored content like you can't really understand how these right-wing influencers operate and how they manipulate the media cycle unless you understand like the basics and so i didn't Mm -hmm. i I, anyway i didn't get like as into gamergate as i probably could i could write literally like (laughs) so much on gamergate and like how i would love that maybe it's like book two uh, like but yes um, we need a part two already but yeah it's I mean, I didn't, yeah, it's it's sort of just, like, mentioned as this, like, moment, but... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, like, there's just so much that I it would be overwhelming to yeah. get into everything. What were you going to ask about Gamergate, though, Kaya? I didn't mean to interrupt. I, get, I just get very excited sometimes. Oh, all good. I was just kind of wondering, like, 
From your perspective, do you think, would it be like safe to say, or maybe, I don't know, like how the best articulate this would like, would it be safe to say that like misogyny has like played a fairly significant role in like shaping the evolution of the internet? Yes. And that's really what my book shows. <laughs> like, I mean, I think you'll read, but like one chapter is just about this woman, Julia Allison. Do you guys know who that is? I don't, I don't think I do. What oh my is God. She, what is oh my God. Oh this my God. woman, talk about mothering a generation. Like she <laughs> was, I mean, she was one of the first sort of like cross-platform influencers it's just it, I mean just one chapter is just her story and like you will not believe what she dealt with like I mean they literally ran these headlines and so much of it is the traditional media and these traditional institutions too it's like people think of misogyny as just like horrible people on the internet it's also like it's those horrible people on the internet are defending institutions and um anyway she was this she's an she was an influencer she had to quit the internet ultimately over misogynistic hate but she pioneered also like pioneered sort of this specific type of influencer. She's kind of like a Paris Hilton, but on a smaller mm. scale where like she, she was, she was a YouTuber. Like a she was on Tumblr lifestyle. Yeah. It was a lifestyle thing. And it's hard to explain that her story is so complex. It's, it's in my book, but no. um, I'm yeah. excited to read about that. I mean, my book, like the common theme through my book is like women and, and, it's not like a women's history. Of course, there's like influential men, but I think like you see time and time again that like the internet and these platforms have been so warped by misogyny. It's just that the word influencer. Compelling. Like, let's talk about like for one second, yeah. like the word influencer is used just so dismissively. And the whole reason that these tech people decided to start using the word creator and creator economy is to distance themselves from these insanely vile statements they made, misogynistic, hateful statements for years. The tech industry derided mm. influencer culture because they said it was vapid and like it was just like they would use these like misogynistic terms and they were like these are just like beautiful women selling their bodies you know mm. and it's like yeah yes there's a like a, there's a critique of sort of how capitalism makes us all commodify ourselves for sure i'm not defending that but um but there's just all these undertones meanwhile when mr beast comes and does it he's heralded as like the second coming or david dobrik right like when mm -hmm. And I hate how they're like, oh, he was the first influencer to productize himself and develop products. No, beauty influencers were the first to do that. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. they launched their own makeup lines and brands a decade before Mr. Beast. Mm. So, Wow. Yeah, I definitely, you know, just hearing the word influencer, it's so true. Like I, I, my brain, even though it's not correct, like there's definitely a part of my brain that kind of goes to like this idea of like, shallowness of like too. like a shallow woman <laughs> you know it's, it's true there's like there's a misogynist kind of like connection like a kind of like internal like just from here seeing that term thrown around well because it's it's what it is is like and and you'll read this about julia allison's story specifically it's like this disdain of like who decided that you were important like who decided mm. that you could put yourself out there? I wrote this piece for this website byline last month, um, which is a great new website mm -hmm. um, about the, the 10th anniversary of selfie being the word of the year and the controversy over people taking selfies oh my God, yeah. for a while. Every 
celebrity or famous person that posted a photo of themselves, like a selfie, there was a like a CNN article about it. And people were like, yeah. how could you turn the camera on yourself? Like that is the most mm-hmm. narcissistic thing. And so like these women that like had their own YouTube channel or blog or whatever, like people were like, who the the implication is like who the fuck do you think you are to talk Mm -hmm. about yourself on the internet which is so crazy because that's all we do now all of us yeah 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 Yeah, that's so true i i'm it's all it's really clicking now you know like if a you know if a if a a man like accumulates power on the internet you know he gets to be called a creator which sounds like a productive awesome thing and then if a woman does the same thing it's like influencer um that's like supposed to be something that's like shallow but it's it's um it's yeah that's it's i never really thought about that that deeply but it's very true that's an interesting that's true like i almost i feel like i almost never hear i do hear it but i i feel like it's a lot less common to hear like um, about a male influence like the the word influencer being associated with a man well also just like I mean, there's this language that was written so much when I was going back through on the Wayback Machine and like reading all of these articles from like the late mm. 2000s about early influencers. And you saw uh-huh. this, you saw this phrase attention whore, like was yeah. used yeah. so often. And I just think that oh God, word yeah. like whore, it's like, it's always used towards women. The men, I mean, like the of men course. that accumulate attention on the internet they're never talked about that way. They're like, wow, look at this groundbreaking pioneer. Pioneered, uh, whatever. They're yeah, never called whores, attention whore. No. Like, and so I just think it's this, it's misogyny. Mm. Oh my gosh. Just like, sorry. I, I know you just brought up like using the Wayback Machine to research your book. Um, just like briefly, I'm curious, like how do you feel about the the lawsuit against uh, um like the internet archive and stuff like that. Cause to me, that seems like a huge like loss. Yeah. I um, mean, I think the internet, archive, which by the way, I just have to say, I'm, sh- I don't know if people saw, but like Elon Musk accused m- my family of owning the internet archive. Were you online what? that day? Oh my God. Google no, it. No. I oh my that. God. Yeah. I didn't see that. I mean, <gasps> honestly slay, that would be goals. <laughs> like it was so funny. The executive director of the internet archive, like replied to him and was like, I do not know this girl and like at all <laughs> who the fuck is she like oh she doesn't speaking of misogyny on the internet you yeah, know what true. i mean like yeah uh, the way elon Musk treats you oh my god just look at i mean i think i talked to you about this when i was like writing like a little article for a class about you and like the stuff that you deal with as a woman in journalism and in tech journalism is like like I literally could not stop thinking about it that day. I was like, sh- just like so f- disgusted by it. Yeah. But there's no <sighs> yeah, women, there's, a- there's no successful woman in tech journalism aside from Kara Swisher, who is a right. lesbian who does not present as very feminine. Like hmm. the mm-hmm. name, another woman that has ever been a, like, there's none. It's because women are not allowed to be successful in these spheres. Like it's extremely mm-hmm. hard. And, um, I think like, you have to push through a lot and um, I don't care what Elon Musk yells about me. I think it's really funny and hilarious, but it's like, it's depressing. It makes me sad for the young journalists because I've seen so many young journalists um, quit the industry over it because they can't handle it. And I totally get it. Like, you know, it's hard to handle, but anyway, it's fucked up. But yeah, yeah the Wayback Machine be- is essential. I, I don't yeah. want it to go out of business. It's really useful for research. 
totally like especially like like studying history in college like I was like just like learning about like all the databases you can use to like look at old newspapers and stuff like have you ever done that before? I'm sure like yeah have you ever like gone and like looked at those like really old like um or have you ever used like a like a newspaper archival like site that like you can look like because I we had access to ones that like we could look back to like the 1600s and like England and stuff and it's like just so much fun to like just type in a random word and see what you find yeah like I don't know even just I mean it's super important for research purposes and like historians but like on a personal level like it's just it's just fun don't get rid of the internet archive like it's fun to look stuff up like that and like and it's history like it's history history. we need a record of yeah of the internet yeah yeah Sorry, I sound very dumb right now. I'm just really tired, but, um, you know, I agree. Hmm. Yeah, so um, I guess just, you know, to continue on the topic, you know, because it, it is it, it, it is kind of like the pieces are falling into place for me for sure. Like you, Taylor, like are the prime example of a woman being extremely poorly treated on the Internet like very explicitly with you know but being super influential well being too, super influential yeah. exactly so like you're the perfect person to you know write these th- this book with right. the untold narratives um that have like shaped the internet and influencer culture um since you've lived it um what i guess you know i would love to hear if you know just what like what wh- like why are why are you a magnet to like bullies on the internet? I don't know how else to explain it. Like, I don't know how else to ask that question, but like, they are relentless towards you. Like, what? Like, did you hit like a soft spot? Is it just like <laughs> you're just like a meme now almost, like in right wing circles? I know. I think it's so funny. I mean, I think so. I cover online influence. Like, my beat is online influence. And I, I mean, you guys know this, but like, I was like an internet content creator I don't even know what to call it but like I was a tumblr I was I was popular on tumblr and that's what got me into the whole world of like writing and everything Hi, do you know those like f yeah blogs <laughs> okay so it's that's in a my girl book. thing that girls know about yeah it's exactly all, well Ta- Taylor Pi- was a pioneer of the f yeah blog so she like ran out some very popular ones okay they're just like tumblr blogs so it's like f yeah um crayons i don't know like effia japan i don't know like which which ones did you run again yeah i had ones about like food a lot of food ones like bagels Mm. and stuff it's literally just like blog like just like posting stuff about like a topic basically okay i get the The, vibe i get it yeah they're like theme accounts i had a lot of blogs i mean i had dozens of tumblers um and yeah and it was it was easy to gain an audience and i um you know, I started to get a lot of like attention on the internet. And and so I had followers like before I was um, a writer full time. And and I've launched like, I had a Snapchat show in 2016. Like I've, I've been out there like on in different platforms, like in different capacities. So I think I've always had a following um, on the internet. And then when I became a full time reporter, like because of that following, like 
people pay attention to me. I write, I, I have to say like, I've broken really big stories, like really big influential, like internet stories. And so a lot of my stories go like super viral and because I'm writing about viral things and I'm writing about people with millions of followers. And so I think that just like puts me in, I mean, I have, I remember PewDiePie made a video about me in 2017, I think, or 2018. Oh my God. Um, I know, which I actually went to find recently and he took it down. He's deleted all of his old um, videos like pre 2018, I think recently, because oh I was God. noticed. Someone but, needs to archive that. Or I'm sure. Someone I know. Has. Right. I have, I have a screen recording of some of it on my phone still from Good. years ago, but um, you know, like it, I had reported on him and I had reported on some friends of his that were also YouTubers. And so like he makes a video, but he's one of the biggest YouTubers. And so like, I remember my, um, my boss was like trying to understand like, why are we getting these like thousands of emails that say like subscribe to PewDiePie, subscribe to PewDiePie. And I was like, well, because I wrote about him and was this like the T series? It was around that time. Yeah. It was around that time. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, Sophie and I have been, so, been supporting T series. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we I don't mind. Um, I actually don't mind PewDiePie. Like whatever. He's kind of like doing his own thing now in Japan right. and not bothering anyone. But, yeah. um, but anyway, my point is just like, I think, I think it's just like people that write about celebrities, those celebrities will never respond. If you write about big influencers, those big influencers are going to respond and they're going to create content about mm-hmm. you. Like they're going to make you a character in their universe. And so when That's I write- That's so interesting. I've never thought of that before. Yeah. And I write about a lot of right-wing stuff. Like when I exposed the woman behind lips of TikTok, like I knew I was going to reveal her identity. I don't regret that story at all. You mothered that AF. But like I knew, but like I know, (laughs) or like I reported on Milo Yiannopoulos. Like I know that like Mm -hmm. they're going to make content about me. And I think it's sort of like become a thing. And I think it's funny. Like I, I just think it's hilarious because they get so triggered over, like they make up (laughs) examples to get triggered over. They're like, when Fox News was like doing a segment on me a couple weeks ago and they're like, and you know Taylor Lorenz is over there, like da da da. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you're just making up fan fiction and getting mad about it. And then Tucker, like t- yeah, then oh Tucker just, like, Tucker just became obsessed and started doing segments on me. And I just, it's so funny because I don't think his followers, or like, I don't think his like boomers that watched him even know who I, like, knew who I was before that. Yeah. Wow. So they're like, a, they really are obsessed. Like, they're obsessed and it's like it's on them like it's they hate to see a woman they hate to see a woman succeeding they hate to see a girl boss winning they also hate like there's so much misogyny in it like I think that I mean I think I'm like a conventionally attractive woman too which like makes their brains like melt and that's why they're so obsessed Mm -hmm. like with like being like you're actually ugly. You're secretly, I mean, I literally just while we're on this thing, I don't know if you saw on threads, people are saying that I'm secretly 51 years old, which is so oh funny God. because well, that rumor has been like, <laughs> like that is, is like, like, I love laughing at that one. It's like everyone's, I don't know if you've seen these Kyle, but everyone's like speculates about her age and like has conspiracy theories that she's like, like in her late forties or something, it's which is so like funny. weird as fuck. It's but it's like, like funny, people, but it's weird as hell. I'm like, that makes ab- me sick. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also like people went to high school with me that are on the internet. Like, there's photos of me in college on Facebook. Like, yeah. I, like, it's, it's like, like you can connect just, the dots. She was making like Tumblr blogs. Like, it's so funny, and it's like Aww. I'm, I'm always curious, like, to take those like 
conspiracy is like one step further. It's like, okay, so say I'm actually 51. I'm lying about my age and I have like an, an insane skincare routine. So I look no, like I'm I in my 30s. She's like, she's serving. Like, what the fuck was I doing for 10 years in the 90s? Like, what was I doing? Like, <laughs> how do you explain this? Like, miss time. Like, it's so bizarre. But, but it's misogyny. Men are never like... That's the other thing is like, they always say like, oh, you're too old. You're too old. You're, oh, you're in your thirties and you're still writing about social media. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. I am the youngest woman tech columnist in the entire industry. Like Mm -hmm. there's, look at the other tech columnists. It's all men. And most of them are in their fifties and sixties. Like, I mean, I love them. Some of them are amazing. I think actually Farhad's in, or Farhad was in his forties, but like they're not young. Mm -hmm. So men... There's no age that men are too old to write about technology. Men can write about their techno- mm-hmm. technology until they're 50 or 60 or whatever. Whereas women, mm-hmm. a woman reaches 30, a woman's in her 30s. And yeah. it's like, are you fucking kidding me? That's so fucking awful. Like, ugh. But it's misogyny. It is. And also people think like people think that like what I write about is vapid. They don't take it seriously because things that like right, influencer yeah. culture, things that affect young people and women are seen as like unserious. And so I think it's so funny that like the right wing media spent so long, like for two years in 2019 and 2020 and kind of 2021, they they like were just like the TikTok journalist, the TikTok journalist. And it's like TikTok is a tech company that is owned by a multi-billion dollar Chinese mm-hmm. tech conglomerate. Like would you ever be like the Google journalist, the Microsoft journalist? Like, <laughs> yeah, literally. But they don't. But they mm. don't consider TikTok serious, or they didn't. Now they do. But at that point, it's just like it's a way to like dismiss. Yeah. But they're stupid. They sound stupid. It's like no, these things are important. Definitely. Your your existence is just like a giant L, like tattooed on their forehead. That's all it is. Like, mm. you shouldn't like. Every everything they they throw at you, like just makes them look really really stupid so that's 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 a that's a win for us i guess even though it's really disturbing and also like i'm sure you get this comment all the time like and i this is like one of my biggest pet peeves on the internet is when people comment on like a vice article or something but i'm sure you see this too where it's like how is this news like why is this like this this is not news like can we report on something important i hate that i hate seeing that so much it makes me want to like rip my hair out I, I hate it too. I get it all the time. And it's like, how is this news? If you can't see why culture is worth writing about, I truly don't know what to tell you. Like, And also, like, there's different kinds of news. And, like, yes, just because, like, like, just because it isn't important to you doesn't mean it's not important to someone else. And, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of things are newsworthy. Like, 100%. People can be like interested in multiple things at the same time, and there can be different degrees of whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, I think, and and these things are significant. They really are. Oh, so absolutely. That criticism is invalid either. Yeah. No, it's so stupid. But it's. It, I do think it's like funny. Like I, it I is think funny. Like, like I love going on Vice and just scrolling, and it's like how to go to a sex sex party in Vietnam if you only have $10 or some shit like that. And everyone's like, how is this news? I'm like, let Vice do their thing. Okay, guys, it's just what Vice is going to Vice. Let them cook. (laughs) For real. Like, like, I I respect it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so it's like, it's just content. So much of these websites, I mean, so many of these, like, quote unquote, news websites, like, they're in the content business along with everyone else on the internet. And, yeah. you know, 
they're going to make a lot of content that's not hard news because they need to pay the bills as well. Yeah. So I'm sure like, do you, do you like, do you think like female journalists are more prone to like that, those kind of comments, like how is this news or like, of course, because I mean, I think like, a hundred percent like Adam Masari being like we don't want hard news but Mm -hmm. entertainment and stuff is fun it's like no entertainment is hard news like everything is what does hard news mean anymore like everything is politicized in this culture now and like just it's just a stupid distinction um also because like you said people could like learn about multiple things at once exactly yeah I mean like uh you know like your book it's uh it's like literally the you know, evolution of, like, a significant portion of how, like, the internet and, like, our culture and our, exi- like, our whole damn, like, existence. You know what I mean? It's, like, actually, if, if your your book is actually, you know, it sounds very, like, dr- extremely ambitious, you know, with, like, the, the kind of, like, topic it's taking on and to, like, for anyone to try to, like, dismiss anything that kind of falls under that umbrella, is not real, not, like, worth paying attention to, um, you know, they're probably, like, just one of the misogynists that are, like, playing their role in the system that's, like, shaping the internet without them even realizing it. Yeah, 100%. Or people don't, like, sometimes you just don't care. Like, sometimes people don't care about stuff, and that's fine. I think it's this, this, like, hostility of, like, the anger Mm. of, like, also, it's, like, it's the internet. There's endless space. Like, who cares if someone wrote an article? It's not taking away space from anything else online, you know? Yeah. Just, like, ignore. Yeah. Block, don't report. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, like, those YouTube comments, like, if you don't like this video... You don't have to leave a comment. You could just go to another video. You don't have to actually hit the dislike button. Wait, real, honestly, real. Yeah, they had a point. They had a point. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, honestly, no, I mean, I am not a journalist, but sometimes, well, meme accounts, people be mean as hell to meme accounts for no reason. Yeah. Like, if they don't think a meme is funny, they'll literally, like, call you, like, a fat, like, idiotic core or something you know like it's the extremity and like the hostility is so weird <laughs> yeah it's toxic true the internet low-key is toxic <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think we're like kind of time but um thank you so much for doing the super last minute and coming on this is I love every chance I get to talk to you. I feel like I learned so much and you're very inspiring to me. So I really appreciate you coming on this. And thank you for being an early supporter since day one. Cause I remember you, you made a tweet saying like, listen to their podcast. And we hadn't, I don't think we, I think we had like one episode. So thank you so much. Oh yeah. Well, you're the it's, realist. it's an honor and pre-order my book. Thank you for having Everyone me pre-order on. her book okay yeah we'll put it in the description, description etc yeah pre-order that book it. now we're gonna go pre-order so we it. can undo misogyny <laughs> patriarchy yeah yeah all right um, this has been base news network, base news network. thank you bye, Thanks. bye.